Because some journeys are better taken together. Let's walk the talk. 702. We're joined today uh, on the line by Adil Nchabeleng. It's quite an important discussion, so please do listen in. Nchabeleng, thank you for joining us and for this very important discussion. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. So Nchabeleng is an energy expert. As In your expert opinion, uh, Nchabeleng, the government has now proposed measures to deal with load shedding. Uh, would you say that the government institutions, uh, which are national, provincial, and local spheres, um, no. their adoption of this energy-saving measure, a lot of the time we have good plans. And the fo- first point says that um, the effects of rotational power cuts uh, and preventing the escalation of the electricity f- shortfall. How do they plan to insulate national, provincial, and local spheres? We've seen how hospitals, um, the price of um, getting them, uh, what would you say, um, not being affected isolated. by load, sh- isolated from load shedding. Yeah. It's close to the quarter of a billion to a third of a billion. What is the practical implementation and rollout for this uh, government institutional plan? Look, in terms of uh, the, the, the rollout for the uh, key, uh, what you call a critical infrastructure, it's, it's especially based in communities, it's almost impossible because this infrastructure was built during a past eight days, one. Yes. And the ones that were just recently built, like schools, hospitals, and everything, are all feeding off the current grid that is community or municipality-based. So, mm-hmm. If it was not isolated into critical infrastructure then and given a dedicated network, it would not be the same. You know, you won't be able to isolate it now because you either would have to have a technology that needs to be implemented Mm -hmm. that either, I mean, how is it possible? Because this Mm -hmm. is a transmission grid line, you know, where in in a distribution grid, it's always feeding one way up. It's okay. not feeding second, what you call it, the coming back or anything. So it's going to be very difficult. But what they would achieve usually is is, is to create the impression, you know, that they have mm-hmm. isolated, or they would have to go in and install whether they install wind, uh, they install solar mm-hmm. and batteries onto those rooftops to ensure that at least they have a backup of some sort, which is solar and battery based. But apart from that, there is really nothing they could do. You know, it was bad planning from the beginning. There is nothing that we're going to be able to do. This thing should have already been put on critical infrastructure from the beginning. Yes. So you talk about that uh, retrospective uh, exercise, um, and and it's been something that has come up quite often where the infrastructure itself was not built to accommodate the masses. It it rather was used Mm. by the minority at the back of uh, a a majority who wasn't compensated. So even those savings um, Mm. that the illegitimate regime, you cannot call it a government, uh, at Mm. the time, benefited from so it's quite an important um, question that hasn't been really answered how do we firstly capacitate all of the formerly disadvantaged people of south africa how do we start this exercise because it seems as if we're being told theoretically what's something we'd like to hear but practically it's not possible yeah i don't know i I think government sometimes dreams up ideas and then leaves out 
the knowledge as well as expect uh, subject matter experts. Yes. And in this case, they have done that. I mean, you can't just go out and start making announcements, mm. not based on feasibility, you know, like, is it practical? Can it be done? Has mm. it been tested already? Mm-hmm. In most cases, some of it has not been tested and has not been done and cannot be done, unfortunately. What's our, what's our public, what is our responsibility, sir, in this, so to, to be able to identify it as citizens? What is our responsibility? No, actually, our responsibility right now is to demand that the government fulfill its mandate. Remember, electricity has got its own legislation. It's called the Electricity Act of South Africa. Mm. So in that sense, we should be demanding that South Africa provides us the electricity that is already actually gazetted and and legislated in our laws. Mm -hmm. And it says that ESCOM should be able to produce cheap electricity. The act is very clear, succinct, and actually speaks very you know, clear on what it should achieve and how it should be achieved by government. So when government starts now actually dropping the ball and is unable to provide this particular basic commodity that is required by citizens in order to carry out our jobs, Mm. that is when as citizens we must stand up and say, look, enough is enough. We must have active citizenry. Mm. We must have civil society engaging because political parties have failed. I mean, let's be honest. Mm. Most of them have been unable to attend to this issue when they were warned all of the parties yes. throughout the, uh, the years. They did nothing particularly to intervene and actually to bring up solutions. Instead, they continued with their opposition party mm. as well as political majority party you know, tendencies of arrogance. So we, we were not going to solve it unless ordinary people on the ground stand up and say we've had enough, you know, and we demand that the government holds its own obligation. If not, unfortunately, 2024 will spell out a total different picture with regards to where South Africa goes into the next elections. Adil, this slow-moving train wreck that is we've been reporting on, we've, we've heard the state saying that uh, there are managerial issues. We've heard the state talk about the various impediments The second point is that they'd like to remove these impediments to construct new energy generation capacity. Once again, how do we make these proclamations after the government has basically told us about the various issues and they haven't dealt with those fundamentals? How can we look at this proposition with hope? I think it's normal when you hear government speeches most of the time, take them with a 90% not possible and then 10% wishful. And that's where most people should be realistic (laughs) because at the rate we're going at, you should be, you know, there's very simple fundamentals in this situation. Mm. ESCOM is not broken to the point where it cannot actually be fixed. No, it's not broken. Mm -hmm. ESCOM has just been slowed down with regards to being given necessary funding to actually do the expedition or expedition of the work. One, which is to actually fix the power plant Mm -hmm. and make sure that we recover. Currently, there's 21,000 megawatts. Of, of unscheduled breakdowns, mm-hmm. which means it's, it's just plants and units going down and not being fixed. And there is another three to 4,000 megawatts of what they call planned and scheduled maintenance. Yes. On the maintenance side of it, they've taken out 4,000. They have now have another 24,000 of uh, 21,000 of uh, uh, unscheduled breakdowns, units that are just sitting and have not been fixed, which means there has not been dedicated funding and money Mm. towards maintenance and repairs as well as the refurbishment. So it's not something that it's rocket science. It's Mm. a very simple exercise, but there hasn't been strategic management focus. 
there hasn't been a an aspect and an attitude to say that we are really actually becoming a nonsense to the public, to the to people, ordinary South Africans who are taxpayers, because you and I are paying for this yes. electricity. We're not getting it for free. And you and I are the owners of this infrastructure, as in ESCOM being an SOE. The government is just a custodian of the people. So there hasn't been that migration and shift. And unfortunately, the problem was left to linger too long, where most South Africans should have been long involved in this discourse and actually taking it. We should not have allowed at the time, the three, four years ago, when you know mm. the electricity load-shedding trend started. At that point, we should have napped it as citizens and said, no, 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 this is going to become exacerbated and it's going to actually become exaggerated. We need to stop it. So the issues are not outside. Mm. Add a lot of, you'll add a lot. We can add any other amount of new generation is great so, so I, did, I, I just want to ask a question there's so many controls and measures that we could go through including the importation of electricity including the recruitment of placement of skilled personnel uh, and then mm-hmm. lastly also one of our biggest fears is once again the misappropriation of funds because uh, to one of your points and thank you so much for these very well-articulated points. One of the key points you've mentioned is the Auditor General conducting real-time audits and a report on the accounts, financial statements, and financial management of all emergency procurement undertaken during the national state of disaster. That mitigation for me is quite key. But between you and me, you, oh, we know that accountants and auditors only account after the effect. They don't account before the effect. They would not sit and say before you. Procure. So this real-time audit, it's 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 not. It's, it's an audit of what has happened. All accountants in in their real practice is only looking at what has already happened. Whether they do forensic, whether they do accounting, it's only after the effect. So yes, if they say they are going to have a panel that is going to sit there and ensure before approval, before spending, there would be an audit. Uh, there would be actually an oversight rather than an audit. There would be an oversight of activities, then it's a different thing. But if you say you're going to audit, I mean, mm. we know audits are based on histories. You know, it will be a historical reporting of what is already occurred. But if you're talking about the monitoring and ensuring that there is a gantry process by which these decisions, even though they are fast-tracked, mm. they are going to be actually looked at at the hawk's level with an oversight team that says yes or no. And even that we know. COVID has taught us that South African, you know, bureaucrats are somehow very, very tempted when it comes to public funds. They don't really hold back. Adil, as an energy expert, are you telling me that these proposed government measures to deal with load shedding, are you telling me that we are going to experience much of the same? And as, as citizens, what should we be at least trying to keep our eyes on? My view is that I wish them, I wish the government luck because you and I need that luck right now. We can't, we can't live with this state of lackluster where things are just in a broken down state. So what I would wish for them is to actually go in and, and focus on the fundamentals. I just stated that 21,000 megawatts is unavailable. Mm-hmm. Fix that and recover at least a minimum of 10,000 megawatts. If you've done 6,000 megawatts, we no longer have any mm-hmm. problem of load shedding for now. And you recover 10,000, you've got some reserves. So that, that is the logic to start okay. to, to say this is where the problem can be resolved. You don't have to do everything all at once within the next 6 to 12 months in order to solve the problem. But just attempt to do what is fundamental. Return those minimum 10,000 megawatts back into circulation, into the grid, and then work on additional capacity. B- bring in as much 
let everybody who can afford it move over to alternatives and make sure that they can even not only that have their own backup so that there is less uh, interference in their lives. Those that cannot, for instance, your public infrastructure, your, you know, related municipal infrastructure, unfortunately at that stage, they would have to start looking at new innovation and technology mm. on how they can keep this infrastructure running in the absence of the current uh, uh, main grid, which is ESCOM. Adil, thank you for the insightful and um, well put together um, comments. And it just makes me wonder if someone like Andre mm-hmm. Dereta and so many others before him weren't able to implement what it seems as you've shared our basics and fundamentals. We don't need these fantastical propaganda shows. But no, uh, Andre <laughs> could have resolved load shedding. He focused too much on politics and other things. He needed to just have fixed power plants. And that was not that difficult, but he decided to do other things. And that is why the minister came out Mm. sort of blazing against him. He says, no, he failed to resolve because he could have just focused on fixing power plants and and literally closed that whole whole political interference and dialogue and said, my job here is to ensure I provide South Africans with electricity. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. He went and did other work, which is, you know, groundbreaking work of finding out the corruption and everything. Wonderful. It didn't yield us any more electricity in any way. Thank you. We're sitting with low shedding right now. Thank you so much, sir. That's Adil Nchabeleng, energy expert, giving us further insight um, on the proposed government measures to deal with load shedding.